0: What up, what up, what up, San Antonio, Austin, Del Rio, people up in Tyler, people up in the Shot City, people down in the whole 305 South Florida region. You are tuned in here to the Tuesday edition of the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, it's the Sands spinning the one and twos. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. Your number to participate is 1-800-707-9760. And this first segment of the day is going to be sponsored by Talal Orchid at at the dominion if you're ever out in the area in the dominion or even shopping out the rim make sure you stop by talau orchid they're a nice family atmosphere restaurant they have a nice menu to choose from again that is talau orchid they're open monday through friday from 5 p.m to 9 p.m official sponsor of the sports cry 1-800-707-9760 if you know what you want to talk about it's open phone lines feel free to give us a call anything that uh you know, we discussed on yesterday's show, if you didn't have an opportunity to call, you can parlay that over to today. And anything that we're discussing on the doctor today that you want to weigh in on, feel free to do that. Just be patient during the breaks and during the segments, and we'll get to the phone calls accordingly. Also... If you want to reach out to me via Twitter, the handle is at Sports Grind where you can tweet at me or send me a message. And if you want to stream the show live and participate during the show and leave messages, which if we have time, we'll read those during the show. If not, I'll respond to them later. You can go to the business page, Facebook page of Sports Grind Entertainment, or you can go to my personal page and you can stream the show live and leave comments. And like I said, we'll get to those or I'll respond to those later. And if you ever miss any of the daily episodes live you can always go to sportsgrindonline.com where you can download the daily podcast anytime any day 1-800-707-9760 what's up mr clark ready to rock and roll it's the sams what's up fellas how we doing doing all right man it is tuesday as we roll on here in the month of june in the summer looks like we're getting a little bit of break today from the weather with a little breeze um, You know, per se, I don't think we're at a hundred yet today. A little, a little overcast, so that's a good thing. What do you got?
1: do you see it snowing in mexico city um, did not check out mexico covered hm
0: just the way it's you can trending sometimes. on twitter hmm yeah that's weird, man things are uh the atmosphere in the world is old, so things and weather wise it's getting kind of uh, screwy here over the last few years but um so in the sports world, definitely. We're going to start in the NBA finals where the Golden State Warriors have taken a 3 2 lead versus the Boston Celtics. Uh, we'll definitely start there in a few. Um, also, we've got um, other NBA news. Uh, Montreal's Harold. Uh, he got caught with a few pounds in his car, which I've got my take and my first thought when I came to, you know, when this came to my attention. I know uh Jonas texted me this last night during the game. That's how I heard about it first. But real quick, it popped in to what my thoughts were, which I'll get to that. It didn't really dawn to me that he's a free agent because that's a guy I've definitely been wanting in the Spurs uniform for years. Now, this case that he got pinned is probably going to take him off the Spurs radar, even if they were interest, in, interested in him. We don't know that, but we know how they are with Spurs guys. But I definitely got my take on that. Um, also, NFL world things continue to move on uh, as mandatory OTAs are in up and running for most teams, if not all. Um, we're getting indications on maybe some camp battles here and there, uh, but the main thing that's overshadow will start to overshadow that still is the main part of the news in the NFL is the Deshaun Watson situation, which there's multiple reports out there now that there's two more women that are going to be added to the civil suit lawsuit. Okay. Um, I think one woman's out of Atlanta and I don't know where the other one's at from. Uh, but this is one of those situations to where we already had the New York Times report a week or two ago putting, well, I say about a week, week and a half ago, putting the number at 66 women um, that he had contacted for massages in a 17th month period. So you have that optic out there. And then, you know, probably within a weekend of this thing, uh, we're looking at now hearing about two more women being added. Um, you know, part of me still feels how I feel about this whole original situation. Um, I think, and I said it from day one, I think Deshaun is just, guilty of just being reckless and trustworthy and really forgetting who you know he really he really is meaning like forgetting that you are a high profile athlete that occupies one job out of only 32 one of 32 I should say um and to put yourself out there even if this is your fetish this is the thing that I just think that he was just dumb and reckless about to not know that this was going to eventually catch up with them, but I can't all the way go there because at the same time, the Texans are, you know, pretty much, I mean, they're kind of aiding you and giving you, uh, you know, they're complicit. Yeah. They're giving you these non-disclosure agreements to give these women. So you automatically knew that there was something that could have came about with this, which has, Um, but I did say it, you know, Friday, and Thursday, I just felt that, you know, when that report came out that, you know, they provided them, you know, you know, with because remember early on in this situation, it was only leaked out that he asked the Texans for these tables, these training tables. So we knew that from early on in this. But now with that New York Times report about a week and a half ago, now we're in a situation that we're realizing for one, they provided these non disclosure agreements for him. Um, I think it maybe goes beyond that. So I said it last Friday. I said, look, if they're going to suspend Deshaun Watson, and I, I now think that with this more stuff just leaking out day by day, every other day, the NFL is really in no situation, no position now not to find him. I mean, suspend him, excuse me. So I just feel Texans deserve some type of punishment as well, too, in that ownership. They, I, And if that's a draft pick. If that's a first round pick, if it's a second round pick, if it's multiple picks, so be it. You know, if you're going to do one, do both, but it's just, and, and the thing that I feel, because if I'm Deshaun Watson's agent, I mean, I know we got Rusty, that's his lawyer, you know, but if I'm Deshaun Watson agent that deals with the team in the NFL, the Browns and the league, I'm, you know, I'm pushing to, Give us the punishment. What, what, give us the decision on what you're going to do now. I'm letting the league know the front office, like, can we get a ruling on this? Y'all have had almost damn near as many times, as much time as we have for other people to investigate this. Like, because the longer this drags on where they don't say, hey, you're done for the season or you're done for eight games, you're done for 10 games or you're whatever, the longer they go by not making the decision, the more that's going to leak out on these. Testimonies and going through this civil suit. That's just my opinion. So you have that going on. It really puts Cleveland in a situation. I mean, we're about five weeks away from training camp for most teams. Okay. Almost less than a month away. I think the Cleveland Browns want to know hey, this is where, what, what do we, you know, where do we stand? Where are we going to, is Jacoby need to get first team? I mean, do we need to go and sign somebody else, you know, to back up Jacoby? If I'm the Cleveland Browns, I got to get those answers because that's really, I mean, we're camp is around the corner. And, and I just feel, and, and, and again, in my opinion now, as more we go into this, Cleveland can sit there and say that they did their due diligence and they were prepared and all that. I don't think that they were prepared for it to w- play out like this. But we'll see. But they're in it now. I mean, they're married to the guy regardless whether you have to forfeit him for the 22-2 season or not. That's just my opinion on that. Um, Also, Dallas Cowboys, I mean, they've had their, uh, you know, mandatory OTAs. We've gotten some word out of there in regards to Dak Prescott that the Cowboys are putting in more plays to have him on the move in the offense. And I have to ask, is that a good idea? I mean, you know, what that tells me is that, you know, they didn't feel comfortable last year because he was just coming off of that ankle injury and surgery. And, you know, you know, I hear me preach all the time. You give him a year. That's usually with them ACLs or Achilles situations. But that kind of spells out to me that they feel more comfortable. And maybe he feels comfortable, too, where that ankle is stronger or whatever his his body's stronger. He feels more of himself pre-injury to kind of put that in. But I just still question how much do you really want him out there on the run and moving around. Also, NFL-wise, um I tweeted out yesterday, but I think it was NFL.com, but one of the NFL sources had a list out of all 32 teams, the most playoff wins. And I just wanted to take a gander because I know we've got fans from that listen to this show that root for all different teams outside just the Dallas Cowboys. And I just wanted to see the team of your interest. Where do they land on this list? And I also have another reason why I'm bringing this up too, in the middle of June also to take a look at this list. Okay. So make sure you tune in Adam. Okay. I think yeah. flip too, yeah. Well, flip is uh, flip's kind of conceited, but I think I think isn't an Adam or who else did it? It's not Adam, because somebody else. The one that every time I bring Broncos and historic French, yeah. Let's take a gander at that when we get to that. There's some other things going on as well too. You've got um, U.S. Open week. You know, Tour Live has dominated golf for the last going on two weeks. Phil finally had to meet the media, answer some questions. Looks very uncomfortable it he it shows me why he forfeited defending his title at the PGA and it shows me why he skipped the masters i mean he did it, he kicked the can down as far as he could but this is a guy you can grow a beard you can walk around in your all black attire he looked uncomfortable and i'll tell you rory is not letting up i mean I, I, to me everything rory has said he can never join that tour I mean, in the day that we keep receipts, Rory, I don't care if they come and offer him a quarter of a billion, a half a billion. He's got to say no the way he's landing. He said, hey, these guys, they took the easy way out. They taking the easy way out, which in a way he's kind of right. I mean, they're taking the money, but they are taking the easy way out. You know, because you have to really grind. And golf is one of those sports that we've always talked about that you can play longevity as long as you don't have injuries, as what you see Tiger Woods is going through and other golfers before him have had to deal with when you start getting cut on and whether they're back problems, knee problems, that's the thing that can stop you in professional golf. But if you're if you have your health, you're able to go ahead and, and play, you know, and especially with nutrition and medicine now and training, you're able to go ahead and play damn near into your mid to late fifties and still be competitive on the PGA before you even have to think about the senior tour. So to me, you have to really grind on the tour to get some of this money that these guys are getting to go over there. You know, but and then you have Kepka has chimed in, said, Hey, this is this is a casted a black cloud over the PGA. He's put it and, and again, I can I am surprised there's not more people talking like talking about this. But like I told you, the people that are close to Tiger in his circle. I mean, forget just growing up with posters on your wall and, you know, admiring him and looking up to him and wanting to be like him. I'm talking about if you ever broke bread with him in private, if he invited you out to Jupiter, the house on Jupiter, Florida. OK, if he invited you to one of those other houses before Elon even took it into the divorce. Speed of divorce. You know, we never, Forbes came out with that report last week, and I told you that I felt that they were late. I feel like they just did that because when you hear that Tiger turns down 900, 800 million, maybe it wasn't exactly a billion, but you're thinking, damn, how much is he really worth? And speaking of Elon, keep in mind the other thing that's a hand clap, that's net worth after a divorce. Think about that. Elon walked away pretty. I think she got two properties. And she walked away. We reported at that time 250 to $300 million, somewhere around that. $750 million. So, my woman, damn. Per it's, Fox it's, I News went, in 2016. I went, is that included with the assets of the homes and the cash? Or is that – because I'm pretty sure that's all together. I think that's the full As- value. I mean, but but that, that 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 all gets factored into whether you're right. going to be a billionaire right. or not. True, yeah. true. That's how they assess, it, Especially a uh, celebrity network, the legit one out there, the first one in the game that would used to break all that stuff down. The only one that I source out that's legit. Um, damn. Yeah, look at that. And and she was a nanny. She was a nanny. And somebody went to the laundry room. And left the Powerball ticket in the pocket, and somebody sitting there say, "Hey, man, I come to this laundromat. Somebody left her clothes there." Oh, this is the, that's a, that's almost equivalent to that. What I feel in Calvin's eyes, she was a nanny, man. I think it was Jesper Parnovic. I think that's who she worked for. Old school guy, I remember him on the two. I think that's how they met. And she was seven hundred fifty million, and the guy's still network billion. But anyway, the guys that are close to him. They're not, I, I, me, personally, I don't think they budget. Uh, But this is just, and I feel too that, you know, again, because, you know, I don't really know the laws of really what the, you know, for guys like Phil that have earned this lifetime exemption on the PGA Tour, um, guys that have won majors that say, "Hey, you get you know, you're invited to this major." I don't know what laws that they have or how much in the you know in the contracts of being a PGA because these guys are like independent contractors. um, What their strengths are, but I really would have liked to see the USGA. I mean, for all this woofing that they did, and the commissioner, he's the one, but he felt he he you know he backed up what he talked about. But I just feel this is the time. If this is really this serious and this is a threat to the partners of the PGA, whether they're sponsors, whether they're TV networks, this is the time for USGA and Hootie and the boys out in Augusta to come as one, to say, look, man, we'll see you in court. I don't care if you do have anything. You're not playing here. That's just that. That's that's all I'm saying. And this is not really so much about – The humanity part of this about Saudi and what's happened. I mean, of course, that's the thing that's a headline. But to me, this is really about how much are you going to really fight and how much do you want to draw the line in the sand for these members that have made a lot of money on the PGA tour? So that will continue to play out. But the fortunate thing is that is who, regardless who wins, Rory's coming in as a slight favorite after coming in, winning off of Can- the Canadian Open. This is going to be the topic, and this is what's going to dominate in general. Okay? UT, shout out to their men's baseball team. They made it to Omaha to final eight, I think we're down to, in the World Series. They punched Texas A&M's in there as well, too. Uh, so congratulations to those schools for making it. But when we get back, let's talk about Game 5 of the NBA Finals. As despite Stephen Curry's struggles, the Warriors uh, take a 3-2 lead. We'll jump into that when we get back. You listen to the Sports Grind. We're broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. We'll be back. Ready for a real cocktail? Introducing new Zing Zang ready-to-drink cocktails in a camp. America's number one Bloody Mary mix. Oh, no. All right, back here on the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, stands with the 1 and 2s, broadcasting here from the Hazel Scott Online Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Way to Grow. Way to Grow is a full-service landscaping company that can handle all your residential needs whether they're commercial or, you know, commercial or residential. They'll even give you a free estimate if you go to Way2Grow.net waytogrow.net. That is Way to Grow, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right. So, let's get it going. Game 5 of the NBA Finals was last night, which saw the Golden State Warriors win 104-94 to uh, to take a 3-2 lead. One game away from winning their um, fourth title, NBA title, in this, in this whole run, in this era right here. They would put five, I think, franchise-wise. Um, and really where I want to start, in my opinion, there's a couple things. For one, it starts with defense 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 you know a lot of people you know kind of making you know boston struggles um in this series in regards to narrative out there i mean i know i see and carl polk i know i've seen him posted a few times meaning like well if boston doesn't turn the ball over they'll win the series they'll be fine they win when they don't turn the ball over who's making them turn the ball over it's the defensive golden state warriors and I said it yesterday, I've been preaching on these airways for years, even though people get nausea, I'm like, yeah, yeah, Calvin, we hear you. The bottom line is they're underrated, been underrated since so Steve Kerr showed up defensively because of the attention that Steve, uh, you know, Stephen Curry, Clayton, Splash Brothers, this and that, pool party. It's defense, man. And that's really where it started yesterday. Um, the number two thing that stands out uh, to me Is uh, This goes back to another thing that I feel that is really bringing to the light is really how good of a coach Steve Kerr is. And yesterday's game just pretty much explains that. I mean, his best player on the team had one of his worst games in the playoffs in his career. The first time in 200, think about that, 233 consecutive games played, playoffs. Without a three, with with the least one three pointer, and last night it came to an end. His his, I mean, what did he shoot from the field? Like his seven of twenty
1: two, o of nine from three point range, uh, sixteen points total on the game.
0: So if before the game, if we were talking, Steph was going to be over from three point land, only sixteen points, okay. Jason Tatum was going to have his best shooting percentage of the game so far, even though it was spotty. In my opinion, still, I don't know how impactful it was. Besides that third quarter, everybody would have said Boston probably would have won by by double digits.
1: If you look at the fact nine, the Warriors shot nine of forty from three point range. Mm. Nine of 40. Nine, forced nine steals. Though going back to your defense point, nine steals. And uh, 18 total turnovers.
0: Yeah. Started on the defense. But if you would have looked at all those stats and said, hey, this is where it's going to be, you would have thought that score would have been opposite the wrong team, probably even more than that. Oh, yeah. But they kept it on defense. The other guy that stands out that I've got to tip my hat to because I've been riding his ass for a few years now, even this year, even sometimes in the playoffs, But I've also said that if this guy, every time he's had a good game, I'm like, if he comes in and can play like that consistently, they're damn near unbeatable. And that's Mr. former Kansas City Jayhawk, Mr. Wiggins. Okay? Um, Look, I mean, even yesterday, when Steph wasn't shooting the ball well, Clay was kind of trying to find his way. Draymond came out with some intensity and, and force, as they say. Still, did, still can't hit the side of a barn from three-point land. Still ain't hit a 3 point in this series, it seems like. Um, Wiggins was the guy that was doing it on the defensive end and offensively, aggressive. And to be honest with you, I mean, yesterday's performance, it hurts the average of Steph in this whole series. I mean, if they go on to win one more game, He's gonna get, but if it's not for Steph's performance, I think even in game four on the road, he would have another teammate hipping, nipping at his heels for MVP and Wiggins. I agree with Jeff Van Gundy throughout the last two telecasts. I mean, he has been pretty much solid for the most part in every game. And he's coming, I mean, he's a former normal a number one overall pick. I mean, he whether he's finally coming in his own, you know, you heard a lot of his teammates say, hey, man, this started a few years ago when everybody thought he was just a throwaway piece in a trade, that, you know, he came in at one of our worst seasons that we've had in the franchise since that nucleus has been there, but he got better, he got confident, and he really accepted his role, okay? Now, I know it could be speeding a little bit, but since I feel like there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of hate that comes Steph way, a lot of shortchange that people want to shortchange him and stick him in a box, I started thinking, I said, you know what, that another thing goes, if he's able to win if they're able to win one more game, look at that featherless in cap. A guy that LeBron wanted shipped out when he showed back up to Cleveland because he wanted Kevin Love. Now, granted, he won a ring with Kevin Love, but due to the fact that LeBron personally asked for Wiggins to be gone, that gave that gave the cosign. Stefton took that guy and went and won a ring with. If they get one more. It's not done yet. I told you I didn't think Boston's win another game in 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 um and Chase Center. But just think about that. And I've always defended LeBron. But for the for the Steph Curries that, hey, man, they need KD or well, Steph can't do that. Steph just shoots. He can't do it. You take that all the way. Well, he's about to take possibly a player that LeBron didn't want and go win a title with it. Um, and me personally, you have to wonder on the losing side with Boston. You have to wonder, you know, they were 7-0 and going into that game after losses in the playoffs. They've had some impressive wins on the road to get here. I mean, they went through KD and Kyrie. They went to the defending champs and the two-time MVP champ in Giannis, okay? They went through the heat and Jimmy Butler and, and a championship coach and Coach Bostra. And you have to wonder where their psyche is in regards to is he just enough getting back to Boston where you basically say, damn, <laughs> a game that Steph doesn't even kill us, a game where Warriors shoot, go combine nine for whatever they did from the field and three point, just really, just horrible. And maybe this is the game that we had an opportunity to regain home court advantage. You got to wonder where their psyche goes. And, you know, everybody's mic'd up about his time. And, you know, CBS Sports, they had Steve Kerr mic'd up and in the game, in the locker room after the game. He told the team he goes, "Well, what Steph said the other day still stands, and we're going to go finish this in Boston." That don't even sound like Steve Kerr that day that like you know, I know a lot of people try to put the cockiness on that team, but I think they're very humble just because, you know, Steph might chew on a, uh, on a mouthpiece in there and do a little shimmy and all that kind of stuff. For the most part, they've been a humble organization, whether you believe that or not, but for Steve to go out there and I'm thinking like, well, if he says that publicly and that's going to get back to Boston and they know what kind of crowd and what kind of team Boston has been at home for the most part, especially in this series, that's some, that takes some cojones. It means they want now I don't know if this is the golden state team, um, that is built like before, even prior to KD, that will go in there with the Boston team back up against the wall um, to finish them out in six. But if the leader's saying that, Boston's going to have to really bring it, man. It's not just going to be about, you know, showing back home that we're going to Boston. Because you mean to tell me whether it's game six or seven, what other game can they really bank on that Steph ain't going to hit a three-pointer? Or are going to shoot like that? And for the life of me, I don't know what's happened to the guy at the free throw line, you know? I don't know if it's mom and daddy situation going on in his head. I don't know. But, I mean, damn, I was like, man, maybe Jordan Poole need be taking them damn uh, technical fouls and free throws. And speaking of Jordan Poole, I think that was a huge momentum. Go into the third in the fourth quarter. The The buzzer beater at the end of the third. I mean, the Celtics dominated the third quarter. The first third quarter of this series, they dominated. And I think for Jordan Poole to hit that half court shot and bank it in and get that crowd going, like I said, that ain't Oracle. I'm telling you, that's that ain't Oracle. They don't get loud like Oracle, but they still get kind of loud in the chase. But for him to hit that bank shot and have that momentum, knowing you played like crap and dominated in the third quarter, but you can start the fourth with a one point lead. The rest was history in the fourth quarter. Cause I had a. when Jordan Poole hit that shot going to the fourth quarter, I was like, that's ball game. That's ball game. Even as much as Boston dominated in the third. And really, I think Steve Kerr, you know, as much as I pray, I think he got let off the hook again a little bit because that was almost a replay of game one. You know, Golden State comes out, they got most of the lead, they're doing it. All of a sudden Boston goes on this hellified run, and then they take the lead, and the rest is history. That and the reason how that happened. Is because I think last night in that third quarter, or excuse me, in the second quarter, I think Steve Kerr tried to cheat a little bit too much on Steph's rest. When they had an opportunity to take a 12-point lead, 11-point lead, and I felt like they had an opportunity to stretch that to a 15, 20-point lead at halftime, and I think at that time, Steph was, he was cheating on Steph's rest a little bit too much. Luckily, they were able to go ahead and gather themselves and, 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 and produce a a winning fourth quarter. They won the last two fourth quarters in this series, by the way. I mean, this is a team that, because before it was like, hey, Boston's owning in the fourth, Boston's the first. They've heard they've heard that. They've won the last two fourth quarters in this series, speaking of the Golden State Warriors. And I, and I told you yesterday, this, in, in my opinion, I mean, if we just stick to basketball and not try to talk about baseball or whatever. In the last 15, 20 years, I'm telling you, this will be the one that I feel, because it's, it's a given and it's supposed to be that way. In four out of seven series, the better team is always supposed to win because you got to get to four first. That's why the NFL it makes it so hard to win that Lombardi Trophy because you got to be on your p's and q's. You know, if you get the one or one seed in in in, in the conference in the playoffs, you got to be on your p's and q's for three games. The divisional game, the conference championship, and the Super Bowl, and, and if you fall off, you don't get it. In basketball, four out of seven, you can kind of get that bad day, and if you're the better team to come out. If the Golden State Warriors win this in the first time, I would say at least in the last 20, 25 years, you can really question, did the better team really win? And I think it's going to come down to where you automatically want to give it to them as the better team. But you can just say, hey, well, we know for sure the better coach and we're 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 witnessing a generational player in Stephen Curry. We'll see. They've got one more to get. I mean, I, I think, and again, this bunch knows that the next one is going to be the hardest one to get. Number four is going to be the hardest one to get, whether it's in game six or back home in game seven. They know that, but that's the truth. What you got?
1: Did uh, did Draymond, in your, in your opinion, did Draymond reappear in chase? Uh, I asked you about that prop line the other day. He did not hit mm-hmm. uh, the 10 points and eight rebounds to have that, but 34 minutes, so... Kurt definitely scaled up, kept him scaled back when you considered the rest of the starting lineup. You know, had about five more minutes than he did. But is he is he still just a shell
0: of himself right the, now? To answer your original, to answer a question the best way I can is the fact I will say this. Um no, he didn't back to great Draymond standards, but the difference is in last night's game. Difference between Game Three and Four in Boston, he looked more comfortable himself. The stat, his his play of hitting that shot and doing this and this and all, it still wasn't there. But I think his being him comfortable and being himself to impact the game and be part of the game early, which he did, yes. But for more of Draymond, Draymond, you know, and at the end of the day, this could just be a bad matchup for Draymond. It could just be this could just be a series that's just not for him. You know, but you just have to wonder where Boston's head's at of maybe missing out one of their best opportunities to win their second game in Golden State. But I also felt that it, it's kind of like, you know, going back to game three in Boston. Boston came out and punched Golden State in the mouth. They couldn't get their legs in. And all of a sudden, in that third quarter, they get the lead, Golden State. But what happened? Boston countered back. And they end up going back and winning that game pretty much almost by double digit. You know why? Because what I saw last night was the same thing Golden State went through. You exhaust a lot of energy trying to get back in a game and take the lead when you fall down double digits, especially on the road. A lot of Tatum shots that kind of fell on the fork, it was fatigue. A lot of a lot of that, a lot of those shots missed. And turnovers was, was yes, Golden State's defense, but also I thought it was a little bit fatigue. So we'll see where the series goes. We'll see, but it's three two right now. Um, and Golden State, you would have to say even with, you know, having to win one more, you know, game, and even going back to Boston, you would have to say they're in the control of the series. Do you think it's fair
1: for Boston to say that this one you need to see the resurgence of Al Horford again, which is a little bit difficult to ask of such a? I think he's now third in his mid thirties, around thirty six, if I'm not mistaken, but. Ever since that, because he opened the series really strong, mm. but he has just fallen off. Um, and when you talk about the non-factor that Draymond is being, you would really need Horford to step up because Tatum, he, he's he, 27 points. He's to getting it done offensively, defensively. He's, he's 10 boards. Um, Jalen Brown could ask for a little bit more from him. Marcus Smart, he got caught up in some, some, some bad fouls last night um but horford is 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 it really just that almost simple to where it it that's the
0: piece that's falling off right now no I'm not gonna put this all on Horford I mean I think what you got out of Horford in game one he gave you one stellar game one um I mean he can do better but this if they lose a series it's not gonna be because Al Horford didn't have this explosive series um it's just gonna be more about that. You know, at the end of the day, man, Jason Tatum is only 23 years old. Jalen Brown is still young. You got to go through it. I always preach this about there, You got to have your heart broke. I mean, I understand this new Chris has been there to a couple of Easter Conference finals. They've been together for some years, but this is their first time on the stage. And not only that, about heart broke, you got to understand that at this level, and when you're going up against a modern day dynasty in Golden State, if you're a guy like Jason Tatum, you've got to be able to make ju- adjustments in game on how they're guarding you. And right now, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum going to their left, and, and it's obviously that's in the scouting report. They're they're lost. They're like a deer in the headlights, and they're turning over every time that they got to go to their left. That's good coaching. Scouting. Okay. Good coaching. 1 800 707 976. And we get back. We got to talk about a free agent, Montreal Herald, former Louisville, Kentucky. Got caught with that stuff down there in Kentucky. Got to talk about that when we get back. Listen to the Sports Grind Broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. We'll be back.